Welcome back to Return to Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Curry. If you haven't yet listened to our previous episode, make sure you go back and give it a listen. It's called This is War, Episode 4 on Return to Truth. Before we begin today's episode, let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we reach out to you today and ask that you will lift us up, cast out our fears, our anxieties, and our worries. Help us push out the noise of this world. Help us, Father, to take you at your word and claim your promises. Please bless us now as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Today's episode is titled, Worry Less, Pray More. Do not worry. Everything will be okay. Don't be discouraged. It will all work out. You will be just fine. We have all heard these things time and time again before. And it's much easier said than done, to be honest. But who here can actually let go of their thoughts? It seems almost impossible. Constantly plaguing us, day and night it seems. Our minds are in a constant state of stress and anxiety over this. In some ways, worry is honestly a completely unnecessary emotion. It literally can't do anything to help you. It's pointless and it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't help anyone. And in most cases, it makes matters much worse. So why do it? The answer, well, we can't help ourselves, but maybe God can. In the Oxford Dictionary, it describes it as giving way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. The origin of worry comes from an old English word called wygran. I'm sure I butchered that. It also means strangle. In Middle English, the original sense of the verb gave rise to the meaning seize by the throat, figuratively harass and to cause anxiety. If that doesn't describe it perfectly, then I don't know what else would. It feels like we are choking and unable to breathe. It engulfs us, takes us away and brings us low because all we can think about is what's on our mind. When we worry, it's like we become the next Sherlock Holmes. We try to figure things out on our own and in our own way. We investigate every possibility and research every avenue. We exhaust every option. We try to make the most calculated decisions and plan accordingly to whatever the outcome will be. But in the end, we really have no clue what that is or how it will play out. We will try to take the place of God when we try to take situations like this from God. In reality, we should have put God first in it. But for some reason, he is always last. Someone once said, you know you can't trust God and worry at the same time. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You see, when you worry, you are basically saying, Since I can't handle it, then my God can't handle it. You rob God of the ability to show you that he can. Also, when you give it to God, don't take it back. So many times we hand it over to him just to find it back in our very own hands. You know, it is said that if we prayed as much as we worried, we'd have a lot less to worry about. I'll be honest. If there was a prize for worry, my name would be on it. I struggle on this very thing every day of my life. Last week, for instance, while I was at lunch, worrying, sitting in my car, I started to pray. 
what should I speak about in this week's episode? I asked God. I continued to pray about it. I asked God again, what should I speak about? There was silence, but I felt a sense of peace and calmness as I prayed. I continued to let the silence overcome me, listening for God. And then I looked up for a moment and I saw a sparrow fly in front of me and land on a branch. I prayed again, and then it finally came to me. As I continued to pray, I heard the sound of so many different birds over and over again, constantly in my ears, almost as if they were being amplified as I continued to ask God if this is the topic that he wanted me to pray about. God was speaking, and at that moment, I knew what I was to speak about. Look at the birds of the air, I said, and I remembered the scriptures. It's actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It can be found in Matthew 6, 25-34. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Bible clearly teaches us that we should not worry. But what an amazing promise Jesus gives us here. If we put God first in our lives and seek him diligently at all that we do, he will provide all our needs. This should be our number one objective in life. We just need to claim it. Nothing else should come before him. When you wake up, it should be Jesus. When you go to sleep, it should be Jesus. Always at the front of your mind. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Why do we doubt God's ability? Is he not bigger than anything we face? Does he not know the future of every choice we make? You know, there's an illustration that I read the other day that I really like. One day, John Wesley was walking with a troubled man who expressed his doubt as to the goodness of God. He said, I do not know what I shall do with all of this worry and trouble. At the same moment, Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. Do you know, asked Wesley, why that cow is looking over the wall? No, said the man who was worried. Wesley said, the cow is looking over the wall because she cannot see through it. That is what you must do with your wall of trouble. Look over it and avoid it. Faith enables us to look past our circumstances and focus on Christ. When we give God our trials, our burdens, and our struggles, 
He promises to give us peace. Philippians 4, verses 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer is a direct link to God, your Creator. It's a communication channel directly to the heavens. You are literally talking to God when you pray. Through prayer and communication with God, we can find strength, guidance, joy, and yes, even inner peace. Prayer is your needs and God's grace. Here's some interesting facts about prayer that I found. There are 650 prayers listed in the Bible. There are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayers in the Bible. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. Why wait until he is your last hope to go to him? Why don't we pray about it first? So many people say, I've done this and I've done that, but nothing seems to be working out for me. But have you prayed about it? Have you really gotten down on your knees and opened up to God? Not just once, but continuously and persistently. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus in you. I pray every single day. But what does pray without ceasing actually mean? It means to be in a constant state of communication with God, to have our minds fully connected to Him at any given moment. The Greek word translated to without ceasing is adialetos, which means constantly or without intermission. I think more than anything, it means to not give up on it. It's a lifestyle change. You begin with prayer and you end with prayer. Even when you feel it isn't working, keep on talking with God. How many times have you heard of someone who prayed for years and years and years, never gave up, and finally the prayer was answered? So don't give up. Don't ever get to the point in your life where you completely stop praying. You know, a man once said, don't just pray when you feel like it. Pray even when you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like praying is probably the best time to pray. When you feel like you don't need it in the least is when you need it the most. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, that I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We should always pray according to the will of God, and in direct accordance with His word. We must always approach Him reverently, with respect, and humble ourselves before Him. Prayer is not seeking our own will, but seeking to align ourselves with the will of God more fully. We should always pray not my will, but your will be done. Jesus himself prays this very thing in Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. While we're on the topic of God's will in our prayers, one thing God doesn't promise is to grant you sin. Sometimes people pray for things that aren't in line with the Bible and its teachings. They say, God answered my prayer. 
Look, I got this new job at the bar. I was able to score big on this lottery ticket. I was able to pass this test at school because I studied when I should have been going to church. Sometimes we can come to the Lord with misconceptions when we pray. We should be praying to come out of Babylon, but instead we are praying to set up camp within the walls. Don't get me wrong here. God can work through sin, but he doesn't answer it through prayer. Understand this, God is not a genie. There is not a magic lamp you rub with multiple wishes. He will not grant you every single selfish desire of your heart. You know, the key word there is selfish. Our prayers cannot be selfish in our request. Praying for the bucks to win isn't the best idea. Praying for a new car with leather seats when you already have three might not fit this category either. We really need to understand what we are asking and why. We need to pray with sincerity. That's what matters the most, not big words. Whether it's long or short, if it's from the heart, God hears it. John Bunyan once said, It is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. 1 John 5, 14-15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. You know, someone once said, God is more willing to give than we are to ask. John 16, 24 says, Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. It is also said that God is more willing to answer your prayers than you are to ask of them. God is not too busy to answer your prayers. Do not be afraid to ask. Pray for big things, not just little things. Pray big prayers. Because when you pray big prayers, you get big answers. God wants us to ask for these things. If we don't, then we are saying God is not big enough to answer them. So don't underestimate the power of God. James chapter 1, 2-8 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. As Samuel Chadwick once said, to pray in the name of Christ is to pray as one who is at one with Christ, whose mind is the mind of Christ, whose desires are the desires of Christ, and whose purpose is at one with that of Christ. That is the path of prayer, page 52. The devil wants to keep us from prayer, because prayer is the only way we can connect to our Creator. Prayer is a part of the armor of God, one of the weapons we mentioned in our last episode. Okay, I've got a great quote here from Steps to Christ, pages 94 through 95. It says, The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin. And it is all because they do not make use of the privileges that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray? 
when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse, where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. Without unceasing prayer and diligent watching, we are in the danger of growing careless and of deviating from the right path. The adversary seeks continually to obstruct the way to the mercy seat, that we may not by earnest supplication and faith obtain grace and power to resist temptation. That is amazing. And that really sums a lot of this up. The devil is at work to keep you from praying. Okay, let's talk a little bit about intercessory prayer. It's an amazing tool that God gives us to use for when we pray for others. I'd like to tell you a little bit about a book that I read not too long ago. It's called The Incredible Power of Prayer by an amazing author named Roger Morneau. Here's a bit of a backstory on him from online. Roger Morneau was a retired salesman who has dedicated his life to an intercessory prayer ministry. Some miracles have saved him from certain death, but most are in response to prayers for others. Patients dying in hospitals get well. Shattered families are reunited. Addicts find freedom and hearts are changed. Every year, Roger Murnau receives thousands of calls and letters requesting intercessory prayer. He shares God's amazing answers. He shows how you too can take hold of the incredible power of prayer. Here is a shortened version of one of the stories of answered prayer from his book. In December 1st, 1984, I was on the verge of dying in the intensive care unit. I had congestive heart failure that the physicians could not reverse. I had, so to speak, a foot already in the grave. This is the house of death, I told myself. That Sunday evening, the intensive care unit was in a state of great urgency, and the head nurse called for additional help to meet the situation. To my immediate right, an elderly man appeared on the point of death as two nurses struggled to keep him alive. To my left, a man in his 30s, already having had three heart attacks, stated that he was probably living in his last days. Lights flashed at the nurse's station with increasing frequency as the condition of great number of patients worsened. Because of my close proximity to the station, I could hear comments that indicated that the condition of some of the patients was deteriorating and becoming desperate. Not for myself, but for others, my thoughts ascended to God in prayer. For 39 years, I had seen the power of intercessory prayer bring great blessings into the lives of many. One practice that I had formed early in my Christian life was to bring the spiritually sick, those who have had head-on collisions with sin, and become spiritual and, at times, physical wrecks to what I like to refer to as Christ-intensive care unit. The results had been rewarding, as many times I had seen my prayers answer before my eyes. For about 15 minutes, a large number of patients experienced increasing distress, and nurses actually ran to their aid. Then, the medical staff's fears became reality, as the heart of Mr. Smith stopped beating. The emergency beeper at the nursing station went into action, intensifying the sense of urgency. Immediately, the head nurse asked over the PA system for all the doctors in the hospital to come and assist. Three physicians raced into the unit. A nurse on the run retrieved the resuscitator that had been left at the opposite end of the room. 
About 10 minutes went by while the medical staff did all they could to restore him to life, with no success. In fact, one of them, leaving the room with his head down, came to the nurse's station and said, The man is gone. Immediately, I appealed to the Lord of life in prayer, asking him to restore Mr. Smith by the mighty power of the spirit of life in him. Romans 8, 2. That great power that raised Lazarus from the dead. No sooner had I said amen than Mr. Smith regained consciousness. My prayers have been answered in miraculous ways, in that not only was Mr. Smith alive and feeling great, but also the peace of heaven now blessed those present in the intensive care unit. Robert's book gives numerous examples of answered prayer just like this. It changed the way that I pray. I advise you to pick up a copy and give it a read. Again, it's called The Incredible Power of Prayer. If that were me in the hospital bed, I'm pretty sure I would have only been praying for myself. That is until I read this book. We need to know what to pray for when we pray. So remember, there is no I and pray. And this book will show you how to pray with the power of intercessory prayer. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from the book of Job, chapter 13.15. It says, Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. So why this verse? Because it shows us that even in our worst condition, when we are at our breaking point, when we have nothing left, we won't give up on God. We won't give in. We won't turn our backs against our God. We will hold fast to our Creator because He is the master of our lives and He has a master plan and that master plan includes us. So stop worrying about what can go wrong and be excited for what can go right with God. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. Please remember to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast channel and stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.